Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. As the festive season hits full swing, it's a time of reflection and generosity, a moment to cherish the good deeds that have warmed our community. Today's episode is a special one. We're not only looking back at the year, but also going to set our sights on making a meaningful difference in the years ahead. Now, this year for many has been a mix of triumphs and trials. With rising costs of living and various personal challenges, it's been a year of adaptation for many of us. While the holidays usher in joyful memories of family and friends for some, it can also be a period of hardship for others. It's a time to remember those we've lost and for some, a stark reminder of the struggles we have to make ends meet. Well, our first guest today is Sonia Smith from the VLCM Cares Foundation. VLCM Cares has been a beacon of hope for our community, extending a helping hand through initiatives like providing winter coats to children in need, organizing a Thanksgiving food drive, and raising funds for the Happy Tree Campaign. Their efforts epitomize the spirit of giving back, and today, we celebrate their contributions. Following Sonia, we delve into a critical discussion with Josh Smee from Food First NL. Our province is grappling with the highest rate of food insecurity in Canada, and these challenges are mounting. Josh will shed light on the pressing need within our community and discuss potential solutions to ensure that in future Christmases, no one goes hungry. Food security isn't just a need, it's a right, and Josh and his team are committed to making that a reality. But no Christmas episode would be complete without our final guest. To add a sprinkle of festive cheer, we're joined by none other than Santa Claus, and he's joining us for the third consecutive year. Santa will share insights from his yearly journey, imparting lessons and a heartfelt message as we approach the holiday's final stretch. So no matter where you are or how you celebrate, today's show aims to warm your heart and open your eyes to the possibilities of creating a more joyful and compassionate community. Let's embark on this journey of hope and kindness together and get started with the show. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's nice to actually be in studio here instead of being online, having a conversation with somebody. But I wanted to come by and chat with you today about the VOCM Cares Foundation. Can you tell me a bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the VOCM Cares Foundation is a long-established organization here in our province. It's been over 40 years that the VOCM Cares Foundation has been raising money and helping charities here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So you guys have actually had a really big year. You guys always do a lot of good in the community, but this year was exceptionally successful. Can you tell me a bit about what you guys did? Sure. I joined the organization in March and Janelle Lambert joined in May and we pretty much hit the ground running. In the summer, we had a 50-50 with Iceberg Alley, which was successful. And we were able to raise money then to grant a wish with Make-A-Wish. And then, of course, our fall programs kicked in and we had a Thanksgiving food drive for Community Food Sharing Association. Sobeys was our partner with that and that went very, very well. We also did our Coats for Kids campaign. And that's one of those long-standing events that happens. And we work with Newfoundland Power throughout the province for that event. We did a pop-up store at the Village Mall, and the people who came out to actually receive those coats, we gave over 1,200 coats and 1,500 hats and mittens during that campaign. And that actually gave us the opportunity to really see the need within the community. And when people are lining up to get free winter gear, you know there's a need there. And we just wanted to thank everybody uh, for their help with that. Of course, then we moved on into December and we had our Dodd Carol the end of November, which was very successful as well. And that's an opportunity for people to call in, make a donation and hear their favorite Christmas song. 
the proceeds from that was used for the Happy Tree campaign and VOCM CARES programs as well. And then, of course, it's our Happy Tree campaign, which we're very, very excited about this year especially because the Salvation Army, who is our partner, they're telling us how many families are actually going to be helped. They told us that there's over 2,500 families in the province who will be touched and who will be helped by the Happy Tree. So that's set up at the Avalon Mall and some of the other malls around the province. So if people wanted to check that out, they could at bocmcares.com, as well as they can make a donation online. And 100% of that donation will go direct to the Happy Tree campaign. Oh, that's fantastic. And I mean, you, know, you think about the things that you're you're helping people with. You see coats for kids. You see food drives. You see the Happy Tree trying to make Christmases better. People are struggling these days. How do you guys decide on what charities you're going to support? Well, you know, uh, we have a board of directors. So four times a year, we call out for grant applications from charities around the province. The charities, the organizations, they have to be registered with CRA as an approved charity. And then our board of directors will meet. They will go through the applications, review the applications, look at anyone who has received a grant within the past year, and look at the work that's happening. Sometimes it's really difficult because you only have a small amount of money to be able to grant. Last year, we had over a million dollars in requests from organizations, and we could only grant just a small portion of that. But now, of course, thanks to our recent 50-50 draw, we're able to do a little bit more. So we were quite happy with the outcome of the 50-50 draw. So we raised uh, $155,000. Wow. Half went to the winner, and half will be distributed to other charities throughout the province to help them do the work that they're doing. What a fantastic initiative. I mean, what a great present for the person that wins it, but they're doing a good deed and they're supporting charities that really need their help at the same time. People don't have as much maybe this year as they have in the past. We know inflation's up and the cost of living has gone through the roof. But why is it important for people to think about giving to other people, especially now in, in our community? Well, you know, there's so many people out there who continue to give. And Saturday was a prime example. I was on social media most of the day on Saturday watching our ticket sales. And I saw people out in Harbor Grace, they were going around and giving Christmas cookies to the seniors of the community. And then I saw somebody else who had donated a load of firewood to somebody in the community who was sick. So there's all kinds of examples and people are giving to the food bank. If you look on Facebook, you will see they're giving to the food bank. They're giving to single parent association. They're giving to organizations that help other people. And that is really incredible. So the work that we do, we feel inspires other people to give as well. And, you know, we live in a province where we, we know that there's very generous people here. But when you see those acts of kindness happen day after day after day, it really does your heart good. And we do live in the best province in Canada. And I can say that, and I know I'm a little bit biased, but you know what? It's true. Yeah, well, I have to agree with that one as well. That's what this will always be home. And, and on a personal perspective, because you and your team get to do a lot of good and you get a really firsthand experience of what it feels like to give, what do people get from being able to make a difference and contribute and help out their fellow community members this time of year? Well, I really think it's that feeling of giving back for a lot of people because most people have been 
help themselves in some way by uh, charity or by community groups or, or whatnot. So it's that feeling of giving back, as well as people appreciate what we have and uh, sharing. And of course, we come from a long culture of sharing and helping others here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I agree. Well, we're starting to wind down here now, but anything you want to leave our listeners with before we go? Well, I'd really like to say thank you very much for your support of VOCM Cares over the past year. And we're looking forward to some new initiatives in 2024. And we're hoping that you're going to be right there by our side because together we're building stronger communities. That's fantastic. And I promise I'll be here for Dial Carol next year. I can't believe I missed it this year, but it's great to see you. And thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. And we'll schedule you in now for Dial Carol. In today's holiday special, we're diving deep into the heart of community, exploring the incredible work being done to support those in need. From Sonia at the VOCM Cares Foundation, who brings warmth and hope with their essential programs, to Josh from Food First NL, who's shedding light on the pressing issues of food insecurity in the province. These stories aren't just inspiring, they're a call to action for all of us. And to add a sprinkle of holiday magic, we'll be ending our show with a special visit from Santa Claus himself. So stay with us, grab a warm drink, and prepare to be inspired. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. Today in our holiday special, we're diving deep into the heart of community, exploring the incredible work being done to support those in need. From Sonia at the VOCM Cares Foundation, who brings warmth and hope to their essential programs, to Josh at Food First NL, who's shedding light on the pressing issues of food insecurity in our province. These stories aren't just inspiring, they're a call to action for all of us. And to finish our show and add a sprinkle of holiday magic, we'll be chatting with Santa Claus himself. So let's get back to the show. Hi, Josh. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, I was trying to think about what topics are the ones that are going to impact people the most. You know, we talk about how we can give back and what we should be aware of and be grateful for this time of year. But a lot of people are struggling when it comes to food security here in the province. Maybe you can give me a little bit of a background on your organization and what you guys do so we can get some context. Yeah, sure. So I, I run an organization called Food First NL. Uh, we've been around, I'll be 25 years next year. So uh, we've been around a little bit. And our mission is pretty simple. It's to advance the right to food in Newfoundland and Labrador. It's the idea that everyone, no matter what's going on in your life or where you come from, has a right to food and not just to any food, not just to calories, but a right to the right food, the food that works for them. And so what that looks like in the day-to-day -day for us is a few things. We divide our work up into four pathways. One of them is advocacy. It's a big one that uh, it's, I think, really important for us to push governments especially to to put the policies in place that could make that right to food more real for people. The next one's organizing. We do a lot of work to connect people working on food projects. So, you know, back of the envelope, there's probably 300 organizations in this province doing something to do with food security, whether that's their full-time gig running a food program, whether it's a side-of-the-desk project. So one of the big things we do is just connect those folks to each other, to resources, to funding, those kind of things. Then we have one bucket of work that we just call taking action, and that's where we run programs ourselves. So we don't always do this, but sometimes, you know, if you're in this kind of network umbrella role that we are, we'll hear about something that isn't happening that should, and we'll go and find some money and, and, and do it ourselves. And then the fourth piece is valuing people. And for us, that really means two things. Part of it is valuing our people. We try to be a really good employer and push some of the boundaries there, but also valuing 
the voices of lived experience. So for example, we have a, a lived experience advisory group. So that's a group of a dozen people living with food insecurity who meet every month and are paid for their time to provide guidance and advice about what life looks like from their end. So roughly speaking, there's lots of projects within there, but that's what the organization looks like. Can you give me some statistics on who's experiencing food insecurity here in the province? Yeah, totally. So uh, some new data on this just came out last month. Roughly one in four Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are food insecure. That's the top number. It's 22.9%, so just under one in four. That makes us the most food insecure province in Canada by a little bit, which is an unfortunate uh, top title to be in. And what does that look like? It isn't evenly distributed, right? There are folks who are much more likely to be food insecure Probably not surprising. Uh, single parent families, particularly women-led single parent families, are often very highly food insecure. They're folks who are stringing together kids' nutrition and parents on a single income. You also do see, obviously, and this will probably surprise no one who uh, relies on it, but folks who rely on income support are overwhelmingly food insecure. You know, you don't get enough from income support to live on straight up. I think that that's not a controversial thing to say. So there are thousands of people who are in that situation. And then... We know from national data, we don't have the breakdowns for Newfoundland and Labrador because it's too small, but we would guess this probably holds. In national data, folks who are Indigenous are much more likely to be food insecure and folks who are Black. And that has to do with all sorts of historical injustice, right? People don't have as much wealth, uh, and I don't mean wealth in the kind of big money sense, but don't have as much backup in their family and social circles of folks who might have a little bit extra to to support people in their communities because there's been like historically we prevented those communities from from having those kind of resources. So that's true nationally. It's almost certainly true here in, in Newfoundland Labrador too. Yeah. There's also been some recent history that's changing the face of food security here in the province as well. We've been seeing increasing rates of inflation. How has that impacted individuals here in the province that may not have been challenged with food insecurity before? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think probably everyone listening to this is thinking about their food budget right now. And and some of the folks who are listening probably didn't have to think about their food budget nearly as much a couple of years ago. You know, we've seen food prices inflating more than inflation in the rest of the economy by a lot. So, you know, in 2022, for example, the rate of in just one year, if you were on the Avalon, your food prices would have jumped 9% in a year. If you're on the north coast of Labrador, it jumped 18 and a half, which is just in a single year, right? Uh, and it's just like not sustainable for anyone. That's not a problem anymore for folks who are low income or in poverty. I often think, you know, if you're an, if you're an MHA in Newfoundland Labrador, you're earning 90 odd thousand dollars, you're probably having to think pretty carefully about your own food budget, which is something that for good or for ill, I think that actually is maybe motivating some change. Because the people who are making the decisions and the people who are maybe a bit more likely to talk to their representatives, which are people who have a bit more money, those folks are really squeezed, right? And and there's no end in sight for food price inflation. So it's really something we have to wrap our heads around how, how to deal with it, right? Yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to chat with you today. You know, we're doing a holiday episode here, but I do think that the dose of reality is really important for people in particular the holiday season can be really challenging for a lot of folks. What are some of the challenges that you're seeing when it comes to the holidays and and, and people and, and their food challenges? Lots. I think if you talk to anybody who's out in the emergency food space, you know, folks running meal programs, folks running food banks, pantries, all those programs are stretched like way beyond their limits. And the one thing about where we are with food prices is it puts pressure on both sides, right? 
So more and more people are coming to those programs to fill gaps in their food budgets. And then those programs themselves aren't taking as much donations because folks can't afford to give them and their own costs are going up to buy the food when they have to buy it. And so it's a bit of a perfect storm, right? And we've been seeing this on the go for a number of years now, but it's rarely worse than in the holiday season. And it's a really important time for those programs because this is also a time when like when giving campaigns are at their height. And that's when a lot of food charities would be putting away the money that they need for some of the rest of the year. And so it's it's really tough. And I'd be the first one to say that we can't solve our way out of food insecurity through food charity. But right now that's what's there, right? And so it is really challenging out there. And it's really important that folks recognize that, you know, that system is is far from perfect and it's not it's not what you'd like to see, but so many people are relying on it, right? And that's I think particularly as prices go up and just today there was a new release of like what of a calculation of what the living wage is here in in Newfoundland and Labrador, right? And and so if you're in St. John's, the living wage, the like the 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 wage you need to be paid to just barely get by is $24 an hour, right? And so, you know, there's how many of us are below that cutoff? And so, yeah, I think you're seeing all of this play out, especially the holiday season. And I think, you know, sometimes we get into talking about kind of poverty and food insecurity, and it it feels funny to talk about about this, but part of the, like the idea of a living wage is like, that should be a wage that gives you a little bit of money so you can maybe buy your kids a Christmas present, right? Or, or a Hanukkah present each year. And so this is the time of year when there are some complicated financial pressures on people. They're trying to participate in giving themselves and they're and and so it's really really challenging and it is also a time when for folks who are relying on emergency programs those programs justifiably their staff and volunteers need a rest too and so many of them will shut down over the holidays and so folks don't have their same avenues of support so it's a it's a really like a time of year when all of this comes together for people i think in lots of different ways in today's holiday special, we're diving deep into the heart of community, exploring the incredible work being done to support those in need. From Sonia at the VOCM Cares Foundation, who brings warmth and hope with their essential programs, to Josh from Food First NL, who's shedding light on the pressing issues of food insecurity in the province. These stories aren't just inspiring, they're a call to action for all of us. And to add a sprinkle of holiday magic, we'll be ending our show with a special visit from Santa Claus himself. So stay with us, grab a warm drink, and prepare to be inspired. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. Today in our holiday special, we're diving deep into the heart of community, exploring the incredible work being done to support those in need. From Sonia at the VOCM Cares Foundation, who brings warmth and hope to their essential programs, to Josh at Food First NL, who's shedding light on the pressing issues of food insecurity in our province. These stories aren't just inspiring, they're a call to action for all of us. And to finish our show and add a sprinkle of holiday magic, we'll be chatting with Santa Claus himself. So let's get back to the show. But that brings us to the crux of why I wanted to chat with you today, because we know that there's historically vulnerable populations. We know there's a whole group of new people that are vulnerable this year in particular, but there are people that do have some means. How can people give that gift this year of people having healthy food in front of them for the holidays and and where can they go to contribute? How should they contribute? I guess it's also a really good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I my mean, favorite thing I, I would say is that if at all possible, give money, not food. You know, one of the things is that 
food programs on the ground level, they know what the folks who are knocking on their door are coming for, right? So you might be giving a tin of beans when what people want is a box of cereal and and that's not that helpful necessarily. So if you can give money, that's always helpful. Food programs are really good at bulk buying and cutting their costs down so they can stretch a dollar pretty far. Um, the other thing is if you're looking to find a food program, that's a bit easier than it used to be. So one thing that's happened in the last couple of years is we now have a a two-on-one service provincially that kind of brings together all the different social services. They were really good websites. So you can go on nl211.ca, just key in the community you're in and it'll pop up a little map and show you all the food programs and you can pick one and and look them up and and donate, right? Or you, you can also donate to provincial programs that distribute out to their members, right? So all of these pieces matter. It's easier than it, I think, ever has been to find a, a place to donate to, for sure. And then the other piece to this is obviously, I think, the ask, and, and, and an important ask, is that when you're donating, the other thing you can do is reach out to policymakers. You know, now's a great time of year to write a letter to your MHA or your MP or your counselor, uh, but especially your MHA and your MP. They're the ones who are really controlling the things that are determining how many food insecure people we have, right? And ask them what they're doing and urge them to do more because otherwise we're going to be stuck in this this spiral, right? Well, yeah, I think it was you that told me that food banks were only created as an emergency solution decades ago, and yet they still exist these days for the reason that the emergency has never been resolved, right? Totally. And and that's always a risk, right? The moment that you create a band-aid, it can let people off the hook because I think for a long time, when folks would ask politicians about what they were doing about food insecurity, they'd be pointing at food banks and real programs in the charitable sector one thing I think is better now is people understand that that's inadequate, right? Like we know at best, you know, one in maybe one in five or one in six food insecure people even ever go a food program. Now, the vast majority of them are not contacting that sector at all. And they wouldn't be able to be supported if they were, right? Because there's just not enough resources. And so like the, the, the understanding of that is better than it used to be, I would say. Uh, now, uh, you know, what we tend to say at Food First is it's, it's not really a matter of explaining what needs to happen anymore. And uh, I think any politician or anyone making decisions about this stuff, they've heard enough about that. Yeah, What they need is pressure to do something. It's more about will than it is about information now, which is not the answer I would have given you a few years ago. But people really do have a better understanding. Now they need to be convinced that the community wants them to act on it. And part of it is also, I think, People sometimes don't believe that there can be anything different. You know, like sometimes we fall into this trap where we believe that there's always going to be poverty, there's always going to be hunger, you know, and that's just not true objectively. Uh, you know, actually, this province has been the province that's like looked to nationally as one that has at times in the past made real progress on this. Mm-hmm. We've shown that it's doable. Uh, that's a nice thing maybe to remind decision makers about is that, you know, you don't have to look that far for that kind of example of if you apply yourself to this, we can drop those numbers. Okay, so that's a good that's a good uh, philosophical question for you here, though. If we are able to address these problems, you know, the problems that are associated with food insecurity, what does that mean for our population? What happens when food people become food secure? I mean, so much, right? Like, I think food insecurity affects all aspects of your life. It affects your physical health. It affects your mental health. It affects your social life and your social health in so many ways, right? So on the flip side, what does your life look like when you don't have to worry every day about where your next meal is coming from, right? It lets you, A, your physical health does almost certainly improve, 
especially for kids, right? We have a really high rate of food insecurity among children. That's something that plays out for the rest of your life in all sorts of ways, messes up your schooling. And so moving out of that means moving into like a much different life path for people in lots of ways, right? And also I think, especially at the holidays, you know, how much of this time of year do we think about like the celebration that around that happens around food, right? And the access to that, that to that joy. And, and it, I think, you know, sometimes this conversation gets a little bit like technical and policy minded, but that's also something, right? Folks who are living in food insecurity don't have access to that, like the joy of sharing a meal with, with their friends or with the family or with themselves in the same way that, that, that others do. And like, I think there's some, just even thinking about how you feel sitting at your dinner table with your family at, at Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate right now. And like thinking about how many people could be feeling that same way and, and, and aren't is not a bad shorthand for what this could mean, right? Well, I, to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you. I know that the solution is a larger, bigger solution. It's going to involve all aspects of government community as part of it. But for people that are listening, they may have that opportunity to be able to help out in any way they possibly can. And, and we definitely need that help this time of year. Is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with as we go into this last holiday rush, especially for your perspective at Food First NL? I would think, I say a couple of things. I mean, I think don't underestimate the power of action at a community level here, both by bringing people into this conversation. That's how things actually shift. Right. It's it's when things start moving at the grassroots and when those grassroots get connected together, that's when things start moving in this big picture way. Right. So the individual efforts that lots of us are part of in our neighborhood, those might not be things that that solve the problem long term. I don't think we need to expect them to, but they're still often worth doing. And one of the things they do do is they bring people in who are then the voices that are the ones that can be part of this bigger picture change. Right. Uh, and so look, this is a good time of year to be reflecting on that. I think it's the time of year when it's never more stark who has and who has not. Right. And, and, and I think if we can carry a little bit of that out of the holiday season into the rest of the year, we'd be in a better place. Yeah. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you today. There's no better advocate for food security and uh, what you do in the province. And you make such a great difference with what you, what your organization does each day. Thank you so much for joining me today and have yourself a happy holidays. Thanks. You too, Mike. Thanks for what you're doing. In today's holiday special, we're diving deep into the heart of community, exploring the incredible work being done to support those in need. From Sonia at the VOCM Cares Foundation, who brings warmth and hope with their essential programs, to Josh from Food First NL, who's shedding light on the pressing issues of food insecurity in the province. These stories aren't just inspiring, they're a call to action for all of us. And to add a sprinkle of holiday magic, We'll be ending our show with a special visit from Santa Claus himself. So stay with us, grab a warm drink, and prepare to be inspired. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. Today in our holiday special, we're diving deep into the heart of community, exploring the incredible work being done to support those in need. From Sonia at the VOCM Cares Foundation, who brings warmth and hope to their essential programs, to Josh at Food First NL, who's shedding light on the pressing issues of food insecurity in our province. These stories aren't just inspiring, they're a call to action for all of us. And to finish our show and add a sprinkle of holiday magic, we'll be chatting with Santa Claus himself. So let's get back to the show. 
Hi, Santa. Welcome back to the show. Merry Christmas. It is wonderful to be back to the show. I love having you here. This is our, what, third or fourth year we've had together now doing this. And every year you make time to come visit us during your very, very busy schedule. So why don't you just tell me how preparation is coming for the big night? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. First of all, Mrs. Claus has everything under control. So the reindeer are all ready, Dasher, Dancer, Comet, they're all set to go. And Mrs. Claus has got everything organized beautifully so that I can come down and visit you. That's fantastic. And, and today we have a new friend here with us today. Who did you bring along? I brought my, my friend Nikki. So Nikki is my elf. And so Nikki sits quietly on Christmas night. First he looks left and then he looks right. He's not always good, but we have a rule in the North Pole. You can't go to bed angry. So when the elves have an argument, we sit down because there's a rule in the North Pole, you can't go to bed angry. Hmm. That's a, that's a really good rule for all of us. I think that this time of year, we're all focused on being extra good, but it's a time of year when we also start to reflect on different experiences. And one tradition that you have is you get to go bring some lucky people up to your home every year on a little plane ride. Can you tell me about that? Yes, it is absolutely gorgeous. Thousands and thousands of young people send letters into this beautiful station. Mm -hmm. And we selected, we had 20 this year. Uh, and so they went to the airport. They got on flight HOHO and they flew to the North Pole and we were all ready for them when they came. Wow. Hey, well, what do you guys do when they get up there? Well, we had a nice chat. They all have questions they want Santa to answer. Do your feet smell as bad as Uncle Billy's when you take off your boot? I certainly hope not. There you go. <laughs> Why does the reindeer poop on Grampy's lawn look so much like chocolate bars? <laughs> so Santa brings hope and joy to families. He brings reassurance to children. And the flight to the North Pole is absolutely gorgeous. Mm. And when, when you get a chance to travel around the entire world, you get a chance to see all the things that are happening, the good and the bad things. What are some things you want people to think about this time of year? Uh, the, the things that I think about are, first of all, your own memories of Christmas is probably not something that you got under a tree. It was something you did with your family when you were very young. Maybe you went tobogganing, maybe you went skating, maybe you made snow angels, maybe you got out sugar and flour and you made sugar cookies. But it was your presence with your family is what made the memories. What was under the tree, yes, it was part of it, but probably not the greatest part. So my request is, bring your presence and go and make memories for your family. Yeah, I think about my best memories as a kid. We would make gingerbread houses or we would go sliding because I was in a place where there was a big hill right next to our house. And those were the things that really stood out to me. What I got for Christmas each year, I can't tell you, you know, but it's about those little tiny things. And my wife and I have a little tradition where we make each other a little Christmas present each year, and that's the most special one we get. Here, here. Fully yeah. agree. So that's great. So maybe you can walk me through, because we are in crunch time. We are less than a week away from Christmas. So maybe you can tell me what's going to happen over the next few days for you. Oh, well, first of all, Santa is still doing his busy, busy rounds. So Santa's visiting nine schools. We've got another school left today. Then every night we check with the North Pole. So all the letters are in. We have the presents stored up in satellites in the sky. Well, that's high tech. So now we can store the, the presents. We, we just have to slay and we scoot up to the, to the sky lab. 
and we load up the sleigh and we go to another country hmm. so we can still get around the world and uh, we're all set and, and, and I can't find anybody on the naughty list. Not even little Mike. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I was just a little nervous there for a second here, you know? So uh, so uh, look after your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. um, and enjoy your family. Enjoy Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's great. Okay, that's perfect. And that's the, the last message would be for our youngest listeners that are tuning in. Actually, kids of all ages, old and young. What's your message for them going into this last couple of days? What's you to keep in mind? Just keep in mind that every child in the world may be different. Rudolph is a little reindeer with a little red nose. He's only short. He's got a red nose. And all Rudolph wants for Christmas is to be loved and accepted because he's different. In your school, you have children from all over the world. They are different, and all they ask of you is please love me and please accept me and let Newfoundland and Labrador to be a wonderful place for me to live. Mm, that's great advice. And yes, you're right. We are all a lot more similar than we think we are sometimes. So that's great message. Santa, I know you are flat out busy. You are in the last stretches of getting ready for Christmas. So thank you so much for taking the time to come to the show yet again. And I guess I'll see you again next year. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you to my guests for joining me today. Our conversations with Sonia, Josh, and Santa Claus have all been a reminder of the incredible resilience and generosity that define our communities. Sonia from VLCM Cares highlighted the immense impact of small acts of kindness. They've touched so many lives this year from providing winter coats and hats to children to a successful food drive for Thanksgiving and the Happy Tree Campaign. These initiatives show us the power of collective effort. It's a testament to the spirit of giving and the difference it makes to those that need it most. Josh from Food First NL brought to light a significant issue facing our province, food insecurity. With nearly one in four Newfoundlanders and Labradorians affected, it's more important than ever to understand the challenges many of us face to put food on the table. His message about the importance of advocacy, organizing, and taking action is a call to action for all of us to contribute in whatever way we can, whether it's donating, volunteering, or simply spreading awareness. And then of course, Santa, as always, in his timeless wisdom and joy, reminded us of the true essence of the holiday season. It's not just about gifts under the tree, but the memories we create and the presence we share with our loved ones. His message to embrace and accept everyone's uniqueness, just like Rudolph, resonates deeply, especially in a province that's as diverse and welcoming as ours. Now, as we move into the final days of this holiday season, let's carry with us the lessons and stories that we shared today. Let's continue to support each other, spread kindness, and make a difference in our community. Whether it's through a donation, a kind word, or a helping hand, every gesture counts. So thank you to all my guests for their incredible work and for sharing their stories with us. And thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us on this journey. Cheers to a season that's full of warmth, love, and the spirit of giving. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, however you celebrate them. Let's make this upcoming year one filled with hope, joy, and community spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Be sure to tune in as we start the new year off right with lots more health topics. Until then, thanks for tuning into The Wall Show on your VOCM.